Amen, amen. Good morning again, everyone, and I'm so thankful that you have taken the time out of your day to come and worship on the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ here at New Hanover United Methodist Church. If you are here for the very first time, I'm Ricky Ayala, the senior pastor of this church, and I welcome all of you. And I do I want to point out the program. If you open them up, it gives you an opportunity to take some notes during the sermon. There are some fill-in-the-blanks. Answers to those fill-ins will be up on the screen during the message. And we've also allowed some space for additional notes if you'd like to take them, including some additional scripture references that will be shared. Now, again, welcome for all of you who are here and for those who are listening online. We're so thankful for that. Uh, we're currently in our second uh, week of our current sermon series that is titled Game On, you know, Becoming a Better Teammate. Now, last week we talked about, you know, about the 12th man. And then if you've missed it, I do encourage you to go in, into our website at newhanoverumc.org and go into our sermon area. You'll be able to listen to the recorded message from last week. So that way you'll be able to catch up. Now, today's sermon's title is, Put Me In, Coach. Put Me In, Coach. We're going to read out of the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 6. Now, I'm going to ask you in reverence of God's uh, reading, of, uh, reading of God's word, if you're able to please stand. And uh, as you're doing so, I thank uh, all of you who have your own Bible, but just keep in mind that I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The words may be different. You can follow along. Or for those of you who are joining us and through our YouVersion app, if you don't have those, you can look up on the screen for the reading today. Now again, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, the Bible says this. It was a year the king Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their eyes. With two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew, flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. And then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to his people? Who will go for us? And I said... Here I am, send me. Let's pause for a word of prayer. God, we're so thankful that at this moment in our worship service that we pause to receive of your word. Let your spirit continue moving. That way we're able to know how we can continue to become a better teammate and how we're able to say, put me in, coach. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, before I continue with the message, I want to share with you two stories that I personally went through this past summer. The first one, uh, as a family gathering, I have a large family. I have three brothers, three sisters, seven of us total. And when we get together in someone's home, it doesn't take long for it to be packed up, you know, uh, packed in that dwelling. And there was a moment where we wanted to go outside. The grill was out there. I love grilling. I'm not a grill master, but I just love grilling. 
right? And so the deck is out there, and all of a sudden, you know, they want to be able to follow me out there too, and, and the, the deck got, you know, kind of tight out there. And I remember even uh, uh, hearing somebody say, is this deck going to hold all of our weight? You know, or, you know, is it really going to hold us? And I just kept it going because, no, you were all fine. There came a time, I want to be able to act this out for you, if I may. Uh, the, the, here's the grill the section here. In the back is the, de the deck area where the whole family is. And so my back is towards my family. And I'm grilling and I'm going on. All of a sudden, without notice, I hear boom. And the, the, the deck shook. And the only response I had, I was like, huh. I surrendered to the Lord Almighty at that very moment. I thought it was all over. And so I, I quit, you know, I'm, I'm slowly with my heart beating, like almost out of my chest, I look around and my brother there is there dying of laughter. What he had done was those big blocks, you know, the, the bags of ice, you know, when they get hardened, you have to smash them on the ground. Not only did he smash it, he said he threw it up. And it landed almost in the middle, and it shook the whole deck. And I'm there still with my hands raised. <laughs> I thought it was all over. And this past summer, the deck survived. I just want to make sure, you know. And so this past summer, I went to my wife and I, Ani, we went to visit the missionaries in Colombia and Guatemala. But the way, mode of travel, we went out of New York, went to Panama, Panama to uh, Colombia, Colombia to Panama, Panama to Guatemala. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of flying. For me, I love aviation. Many of you know I was in aviation myself, so no problem. But here, I want, the reason why I share that, that all, the, all the flights, you would think that they were all the same, but there were one going into uh, Guatemala from Panama, and the pilot, you know, you know, you could tell that the pilot already had mentioned that they were going to be landing soon. And so my wife and I were in the, the, the windows there, and we could see mountains, and we can feel that we're, we're setting ourselves, the plane is setting itself to align itself to the runway in order for it to land. And while it's turning, you, you, we see the mountains, and all of a sudden, you know one of those moments when you turn, you only see one side of land, and the other one is just the heavens? In the midst of that, the plane, whew, just drops, right? And I said, Jesus, here I come. <laughs> what am I going to do other than that, right? Jesus, here I come. And all of a sudden you hear the engines revving up like, you know, the, the pilot just pushed it all away. And you hear the engines with all its horsepower. We land safely, right? That moment, I also thank the Lord, God, thank you, because I still have a lot to offer, right? <laughs> and preparing for today's message, I remember, I can only uh, imagine what Isaiah felt when he saw the Lord in verse 5, he's saying here, then I said, it's all over. Think about this, it has an exclamation mark, it's all over, I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among people with, with, with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. It's similar to when what I thought, you know, was the end of my life. The prophet Isaiah thought that it was all over, that it was, he was doomed. And you're probably saying, why would he think that? 
One of the answers, possible answers, is that he was also thinking about another great leader of God's people by the name of Moses. And I'm going to take a moment to go back into the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verse 17 to 20. If you want to follow along, you can do so again, but the words will be up on the screen. Exodus 33, verse 17. The Bible says here, The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked. For I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. Let me pause there for a moment. How many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of us sometimes in our times of, of, of difficulties, or even sometimes in our quietness, we have come to ourselves and, and actually either thought about it or said it to say, God, I want to see you. It's okay to be able to ask those questions, you know, and Moses did it. But here, the, the, uh, Isaiah was saying he was scared. He thought it was all, you know, all over. Why? Because it continues on. After Moses said, I want to see your glorious presence, the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show mercy, uh, compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. For no one may see me and live. So can you imagine, and here's the, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah seeing the Lord, and he said, that's it, it's all over. I'm doomed. I'm a, I'm a sinful man. I am a man of filthy lips, and I live among people who have filthy lips. Can you imagine what he was feeling? That certainly may be a good reason. Isaiah crowds out, cries out about who he was, a man of unclean lips, filthy lips. I believe one of the greatest issues we have is that we do not realize how bad our sin is and how much it affects our relationship that we have with God. Sin doesn't change who God is. It changes us and our relationship with God, and also it changes our relationship with others. You don't believe me, there, there, if there's any conflicts within two individuals, you're going to feel it. You're going to sense it in the midst of a room when they're close by. You're going to sense something is wrong because there's something wrong in the midst of a relationship. It doesn't change God. It changes us. God remains who he is. Isaiah understood who he really was, especially when it came to his spiritual life. In fact, later in this book of Isaiah, in chapter 64, verse 6, Isaiah wrote, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but what? Filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Isaiah had an honest understanding of who he really was in the sight of God, which brings us to our first point, is that we need to have a realistic understanding of who we are. Now listen, being real with who we are will lead us to a better understanding that we are all sinners and we all fall short of God's glory and that we are all in need of a Savior. We are messed up people. We continually do wrong. We are a broken people in need of restoration by way of a redeemer. 
Why don't you want to do, what you don't want to do is compare your life to another life. Because we are all in need of forgiveness. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the Bible says that for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. All fall short. The prophet Isaiah realized that he was a sinner in need of redeeming. We need to do the same. How, you might ask. The first one is admit that you are a sinner. Admit that you're a sinner. Then confess your sins. The result will be that you'll be forgiven and cleansed. In the midst of all that, because of your, your, of your appreciation, then don't forget to ask Christ to take control of your life. To live day by day, start dealing with things one thing by one thing. And that way you're able to look back. Because sometimes well, the things that we have to do in our lives can be overwhelming. But if we start knocking them out one by one, we come to a moment, moment in our life that we look back and think, my God, thank you that I'm not where I used to be. But I know I still got some more to go. I need your help. Don't just take my word for it. For those of you who are taking notes, if you want to write it down, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Again, that's 1 John Chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, hear about what happens when someone that is a sinner wants to ask for forgiveness. Find out what happens. God provides a way for all of us to be made whole. And that is through his son, Jesus Christ. Our forgiveness comes through Christ and Christ alone. We need to believe the Lord loves us and died for us and rose for our sake. Jesus is who we need. When we have Jesus, we can have a better chance of understanding who we really are. Let's continue on the Isaiah chapter. Verse 6, it says that then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, in direct response to Isaiah's confession, one of the, uh, the seraphims performed a ritual of purification that combines word and action. Remarkably, the ritual has cleansed the prophet Isaiah, but not addressed the other part of his confession when he said, I live among other people who have filthy lips, who are also sinners. So in a way, this may suggest that Isaiah has now been set apart from others. A word that defines set apart is consecrated. Isaiah needed to make sure he knew who he was. And in that very moment, he was a new man. Isaiah was now a person where his guilt was removed and his sins were forgiven. And he was now cleared to play in God's team. And he needed to be that in order to represent who God was to the rest of the people. God provided what Isaiah needed, which brings us to our second point, that God will provide what we need. Well, let's make that clear, ladies and gentlemen. God does not supply all that we want. 
Yesterday at the 5 o'clock service, I heard Pastor Gill as he was preaching, he recalled last week's uh, car show. Over 200 vehicles that were registered. I can only imagine people going down the parking lot. Ooh, I want that one. And then a couple more steps. Oh, no, no, I want that one. And I want this one. And I want that one. God doesn't provide all of our wants, but he can provide all of our needs. The greatest time of need, think about this for a moment, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, said that in this same, in this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. In our greatest time of need, God will be with us and near us. In the midst of tragedy, even when we don't understand it, God can use it for good. This past week, as the electronic you know, uh, message went out from our church, the weekly roundup, I shared a note from the pastor that many of us were remembering what took place 18 years ago on September 11, 2001. How the first responders from the police, from the firefighters, EMTs, again, first responders in our military, even strangers became part of all that was needed in order to respond in the midst of tragedy. And then as I was in social media, I heard about this, you know, why can't we be the people of September 12th? And I started reading a little more. What does this mean about the people of September 12th? It means that it came a point in time after a huge tragedy, after a huge loss. Here, people didn't worry about the color of people's skin. Didn't matter about the language barrier. Didn't matter that barrier or that gap between the rich or poor. We all became one where strangers invited others into their home, into their restaurants. Let's break bread together. Let's do things together. Let's pray together. Our churches and, and churches from all denominations shared that they saw an increase in attendance, in their giving, in their missions and outreach efforts because they were the people of September 12th responding to a tragic event. How God can change the worst into for something good the way that the people, the body of Christ should respond and the response is with love. So what took place, you know, even locally loss of a young family, and we talked about the, the we, were, we were one of the hosts for the donations for Preston's Pantry. Tragic event. And people came together, not just our church, and I, but um, everywhere, just came together that had heard about what took place, and they hear over 50,000 pounds of food was donated. The amount of people that were going to receive assistance. We can't take away the pain of the tragic the tragedy that took place, but how do we respond? It's so important in the life of a Christian. How do we respond? We think about, I believe, God shows up in those times of need. God will provide all we need. God provides what we need through the various gifts and the talents and or abilities that he has given his people. For the sake of this sermon, the gifts and the talents and or abilities that God gives to the players of his team to accomplish what God is asking them to do. 
Isaiah, again, chapter 6, the verse 8, it says this. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to, the, to his people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. Last week, I shared the shortened story of the Texas A&M and, and, uh, and I, in January 2nd of 1922, here there was a game and there was a battle going on and they were getting, you know, slaughtered at times, you know, of the, the injuries that were taking place. And Coach Bible had remembered us. One of the squad players, E. King Gill, was over in the press box and he called them down. He told them to suit up. So he took the uniform of one of the players that was already injured and he's there ready to go. And you, uh, prayerfully, you remember this story. The thing is, I want to share with you why I shared that story last week to share with you today is that he was ready to go. He, the, the, the story says it doesn't mention that he played a down on the field, but he was at the ready. He was ready to go. He had put on uniform. He had already had practice with them. He was part of the squad. And at a moment's notice, whenever the coach was going to call him in, he was ready to go if needed. That team, they, they won. The Texas and they came back to win 22 to 14. In verse 8 of today's scripture, it shows that Isaiah was so grateful that his life wasn't over. It wasn't doomed. He was so grateful that his guilt was removed. He was so grateful that his sins were forgiven. We heard the Lord, at, and when he, when, you heard, when he heard the Lord ask, whom shall I send as a messenger to his people? Whom will go for us? Isaiah, without hesitation, he said, here I am, send me. Like E. King Gill, he says, he's ready to go. He's suited up. Put me in, coach. So it brings us to our final and third uh, uh, focus point. We need the desire to play in God's plan. God does not want us to be bench sitters or bench warmers. He wants us to be at the ready, off the, off the seats and ready to go at a moment known as that God can point, go here and go there. When we talked about, about put me in coach and the reason why I gave it, gave it that title for the sermon, I remember a, a, a movie years ago by Jim Carrey that was Peck Detective. Right? I think it was like, uh, yeah, Peck Detective, Ace, Ace Ventura, Peck Detective. I think that's what it was. And he remind, I remember one of the, 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 the scenes when he was in psychiatric hospital, he was trying to break in, and he was like, put me in, coach, you know? <laughs> put me in. I'm open, I'm open. Yeah, check that out. Put me in, coach. I want to share something with you, ladies and gentlemen. It's not to bring sadness, but I'm going to talk about the uh, New England Patriots for a moment. <laughs> team in the football, National Football League, and the reason why I bring them up is because when we think about individuals who are ready to go, at the ready, can't think more like a backup quarterback. Quarterback that's still playing today, his name is Tom Brady, entered the NFL, National Football League, for those who don't know the, the acronym, with a chip on his shoulder after being selected 199th overall on the 2000 NFL Draft. Brady climbed the death chart in his first season and replaced the injured starter, Drew Bledsoe, in week three of the 2001 season. Under his leadership and skills as a quarterback, he has won several Super Bowls. Love him or dislike him, 
he continues to be one of the league's biggest stars. He was ready to go at a moment's notice. We need to have the desire and willingness, ladies and gentlemen, to be at the ready to do what God may ask us to do at any moment's notice. God wants us all involved by actively and being fully engaged. We cannot let anything get in the way of our service, including we cannot think we are better than somebody else. We're all in one team. God gives us the gifts, talents, and abilities for his service, not ours. It is important that you remain with the desire and availability for what God wants you to accomplish. Is there something, ladies and gentlemen, is there something that God is whispering in your ear that he wants you to do? Are you available? More than that, do you desire to respond? Like Isaiah, do you have the desire to step forward without hesitation? And you say, put me in, coach. Or like Isaiah, can you say, God, here I am. Let us pray.